welcome to your best riding life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so very glad that you're listening in today. Today, we're covering tips and strategies for nonfiction platform building. My industry expert is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Dr. Sandra is a board-certified internal medicine physician, speaker, and award-winning author. She is an international well-being thought leader featured in numerous media outlets, including Prevention, MSNBC, Women's Day, Fox, Fast Company, Psychology Today, INC, CNN Health, and TED.com. She is the author of numerous books, including her bestseller, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, including insights on the seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity, increase your overall happiness, overcome burnout, and the best part, to live your best life. There are over 250,000 people have discovered their personal rest deficits using her free assessment at restquiz.com. Dr. Sandra, it is so good to have you back on Your Best Writing Life. Hi, Linda. Great to be joining you. All right. Today, we're looking at nonfiction platform building. You have done a spectacular job. That's why you are in this seat today. Share with us, I know that you say you have five ways that nonfiction authors can begin to build their platform, whether they have a published book or not. I'm interested in this. Yes, and I think it's important that we look at it as if you have a book, if you don't have a book, if you just have an idea, because really at the very core of building your platform is about getting in front of your audience, number one, and then number two, having a connection point for letting your opportunity that you've had in front of them translate over into a continued conversation. I think that's mm. where a lot of authors and future authors fail at their platform building. All right, let's jump on it. What yeah. are some of the ways that we can do this? So there's five different ways. And the first two deal with what we consider to be traditional media type platforms. So the very first one I would recommend would be podcasting. I think for a lot of people, when they think of getting on a podcast, they think about it as what they're going to do after they have the book out. It's, it's part of mm -hmm. their marketing. It's not part of their platform building. So the mindset is once I get the book, then I'll pitch all these podcasts to talk about the book. Well, before you even have the book, if you have an idea for a book, if you're trying to determine if a topic is a hot topic or is even something people want to learn more about, you can begin to vet your ideas on a podcast. Pitch oh, that like idea that. for the book to a podcaster that's as a platform already in that with the people that you want to connect with, you'll learn two things. First off, that podcaster already has the pulse on their audience. So you can learn from them by just simply asking some questions. What are the things your audience would like to know about this topic that I want to share about on your podcast? Mm, Quick I way like that. to determine, is this even a bug idea or is this a blog post? Because you may have something that you're passionate about, 
but it's not really a topic that's going to sell. A quick way to determine that would be just to test the audience, and that's one way of doing it. The second part of that is after you've recorded that podcast, you can then share it out with your audience to get some feedback. What did you learn? What would you have liked that I have talked about or that we had covered that I didn't cover in this podcast? All of that can be additional feedback and footage that you can use for that book proposal, book contract, whatever it is you're trying to do with that information. And in the process, if you have some type of connecting point, either a lead magnet or some kind of freebie that you're giving away, as you're doing that podcast, when you offer that at the end, you now allow that person's audience to become your audience as well. So you have a connection point to continue the conversation long after that podcast episode is over. I really like that you're getting the writer to adopt a mindset of value to their content prior to it becoming a book or, as you said, a blog post. Or in some cases, it might wind up being an article. But going to that podcaster and and asking that simplified question What do you think your audience would benefit the most from the content that I have to offer? Or what is their need? I really like that. And the thought of looking at podcasts to know which one an author, a content provider to be a part of, what do you suggest that they do to make sure that they're a good fit with the podcasts that they approach? Well, I think it's important to actually take a listen to whatever podcast that you're thinking of, because unless you've at least listened to one or two episodes, it's going to be hard to determine, is this a good fit? So you don't have to listen to every episode they've ever put out, but at least one or two episodes to get a feel for, is this podcast good for me? And you can, um, especially the way they have the podcast segmented on you know, Apple and the different platforms, Spotify and the different platforms, you can start looking at just specific kind of big group categories. Is Uh it under family? Is it under parenting? Is it under business? You know, whatever it is your topic is to start looking at some of the larger categories when you're first trying to identify podcasts. And then from there, narrowing the search down by things like, is this a business podcast for Christians or is this a parenting podcast that allows for conversations about discipline so that you don't try to pitch yourself to a podcast that really has already clearly stated that's not a topic it's interested in. That's good. And this also helps when you're writing. If you're going on a podcast and you have a topic to present to them and they like it, Well, that is easily a chapter in a book. And so you can have as many chapters as you have in your book. You can look at those and identify the podcasts that they would work on as well. Wouldn't that work? Yeah, I think that's where we often miss opportunity to build out our content as we are learning about it for other opportunities. For example, one of the five types that I wanted to share with you is about speaking engagements. That is a way to build platforms. And so when you're building your platform with speaking engagements, you have to have time to research and put that talk together and, and, you know, build out the components of it. Well, too often we do that with a single focused thought that 
I'm just creating this talk and not looking at how can I use that same content to then translate over into a chapter of a book, especially if you're talking about a subject that you know you want to eventually turn into a nonfiction book project. Oh, very, very good. So we have pitch podcasts first. And then consider your speaking engagements. This And folks, this is prior to having a published, whether traditionally or self-published book. Yes. What else? Well, with the speaking engagements, I would add this, because just doing a speaking engagement, just like just doing a podcast in itself will not build your platform. Those when These opportunities I'm describing, keep, keep in mind that, Every platform building opportunity has two parts to it. The first part is getting in front of the audience. The second part is building that connection point, which which basically means how do you continue the conversation with the audience after the opportunity is over? So with speaking engagements, the platform building part of that isn't just getting the engagement. That's step one. Step two is how do you then take that opportunity to the next level where you can continue the conversation. You can get their email address. You can get their their text messaging number, whatever it is you're going to use as a connection point. You can have that so that your platform then grows. So with speaking engagements, there's two ways of doing that. The first one would be, as I mentioned, text messaging. There's a lot of services that are out there now where you can say, text, whatever the topic is, you know, word to this number, and I will send you whatever it is. And that's been very helpful for a lot of people because it's very easy. Everybody has their cell phones on them all the time. And so you can say text for myself, it would be something like text the word rest to 7897. Now that's not a true number. That's just an example. But you could say that in the middle uh, or at the end of your speaking engagement, And let them know when you text it there, this is what you get. And the benefit of that is now, five months from now, when you have a book contract or a year from now, when you have a book that comes out, you have this collection of emails or collection of text numbers of people who have self-selected to be on that list. They had to choose to engage with you and continue the conversation. So you know that they are an interested party. Also, if you're trying to get a book contract and they say, well, how big is your platform? You can say, I have 5,000 people on my email list. Now, that 5,000 people could come from any of these five sources we're talking about. But each of them have self-selected to join your list to get whatever your freebie is. And your freebie is directly related to the topic of which your book is ultimately going to be about. And this is great because we are allowing individuals to opt in, and that is key. You you mentioned this, Dr. Sandra. We're not going out and capturing unprovided emails or phone numbers. They have opted in. When they actually send the text, when they plug in their email address on your lead magnet, on your website, They are opting in and saying, I want more of this information. If we are building that base and wanting to know which of these items really resonates with our readers 
And does this warrant a chapter or is this, as we mentioned, is this more an article or a blog post? Can we create multiple outreach opportunities that would match the different areas that we currently speak on, that we currently write on? Is that something worth looking into? Yeah, I think it's always important to kind of have your radar out there on what is it that people are needing at the time. For example, if you got on a stage and gave a talk and you captured some email addresses and people are, you know, you now have them on your email list and you start noticing that, you know, long before you ever send out an email to them, maybe even right after your talk, you know, you're mingling around and chatting with the people that are in the lobby and those kind of things. And you hear people say things like, oh, I really loved when you talked about this. And I just I wish you'd got, had had time to go even more in depth mm -hmm. into that topic. When your radar's out, you know, and you're really thinking about, oh, okay, that was something that resonated with people. Or even if they don't specifically say, I wish you said more about that, if they say, I never thought about that before. Mm. That is a key opportunity to go deep into a topic because if, if you have multiple people telling you, I have never thought about that before, that means there's probably something there that you could go really deep into. Because if you have just introduced the idea to them, that means you just gave them the initial surface level of it. There's right. so much more depth that you could take them into had you had time. Ooh. And the book is time. The book is nothing the but book time. Is time. <laughs> oh, that is so good. And the book is time. I love that. All right. Well, this is great. So we can do the text this to this number and receive this. And was there a second part on the speaking engagement? Yeah. So you can either do text or you can do email. You can okay. either one works, you know, right now, text is really huge for a lot of people because people feel that, you know, emails now have become overwhelmed with all the, you know, all the stores are trying to connect with you by email and all these things. So a lot of people are, are shifting their platform building over to email. I recommend trying both and see what resonates with your audience. Personally, my audience, I actually tell them to turn off their notifications. So it would be counterproductive for me to then try to collect their, their text messaging numbers because I'm telling them to turn off their notifications to get more sensory rest. So you have to kind of be mindful of which of these platforms work with your particular audience. If right. you're working with all business people who are in no way ever going to turn off their cell phones, then yes, then text might be the absolute go-to for you. So pick which one works best for your audience. And then whichever one feels you know, authentic to you, make sure mm -hmm. that you're spending some time building up your contacts in that platform. Oh, and I do like that word, authentic. Folks, that's key. No matter what we're doing, authenticity is of the utmost importance here. All right. So we have podcasts, speaking engagements. What's number three? Well, the next one I would discuss is just based off of what you just stated with authenticity would be social media, um, because mm. I do feel like that's an important platform building opportunity. However, I feel like most people do it wrong. And that's why they're so frustrated, because I think all of us have heard the old I call it the old fashioned mindset that used to work 
where you go on social media and you post, you know, five times a week and you, you know, make sure you're consistent in your content and blah, 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 blah. I think we've all heard that, tried that, got frustrated because nobody's liking our stuff. Mm. This is where I found the connecting points to be actually more effective with that. So you have a platform and your author, writer, friends have platforms. And sometimes those platforms overlap. Yes. But what I talk about and what you talk about are not exactly the same thing. They may be similar, but they can't be exactly the same thing. So the way to build a platform with social media is I might put something on my wall, let's say on Monday, that I think your audience would actually love. So if I ask you, would you share this on your wall and give me a shout out? Mm -hmm. And I'll share something of yours on my wall and give you a shout out. What ends up happening is we both can grow our list with new people from our prospective platforms. So both platforms get stronger. We're stronger together. That's always the case. And so what I encourage authors and future authors to do is to build a network of author friends where every month you pick five of your author friends that you're going to, so one a week, so you're not overwhelming your, your board with people other than yourself, but once a week you intentionally share someone else's work and they share your work. And what happens is you get introduced to new audiences and the way that you can, and the way this works to build your platform is that when someone else sees that you're the person they're following has shared your content, it makes it easier for them to like, follow and share your content. Oh, absolutely. This is phenomenal. And it's also lifting others up, which Dr. Sandra, you've always been most excellent at lifting others up in the industry as well. And can I say that we may want to be choosy with who we choose? Is is that a nice way of putting it? It's not <laughs> just to say everybody. Okay, everyone that you know that writes, go ahead and promote what they're doing or put your stuff. I know you said it needs to have the same audience reach, even though your content is different. But can you yeah, jump in here and help me yeah. out with the, do we, do yeah. we just promote everybody? No. I don't know. Was that nice <laughs> or not nice? <laughs> That's truth, Linda. That's truth. No, you don't, you don't just promote everybody. So you want to promote people that you have true ministry synergy with. And by mm. that, I simply mean, for example, I work with people who get burned out and who get stressed out. So when I collaborate with people, I'm looking for author friends who provide content that would help people who get burned out and stressed out. So I reach mm -hmm. out to people who are psychologists who can give me some information about depression and anxiety. I reach out to financial planners who might give information about how to tame your finances. I reach out to people like you who can help them identify how they engage with different personalities. I reach out to people who aren't sharing about rest necessarily or burnout, but who have synergistic ministries mm -hmm. so that what they're sharing, I know my audience would have value. And I think I could provide value to their audience as well, because the way it works is that you want to share their content, but for the platform building aspect of it, 
you want to see if they'd be willing to share something that you provide as well. This is where I see the sweetness of God coming in, because when we are walking in that lane that he has given us, that he has gifted us in, and we step out trusting him for his provision, there's not a sense of envy, jealousy. Oh, but what if, you know, what if I do that and then this happens? And we really do receive such a positive reinforcement from the Holy Spirit to say, this is one you can reach out to. And then what you're saying, the proof is in the pudding, folks. Yes. If you're going to share something and you ask and they go, oh, sure, and I'll share, you know, can I share mine and you share yours, but it's not reciprocated, give them the benefit of the doubt. Say, hey, you know, was just wondering if you're able to do that. But sometimes people are extremely busy or maybe it's not the best fit. Don't get discouraged. You've just eliminated someone who's not going to be that best fit for you. And then we go on and find probably the better one that's going to fit your audience as well. That's so true because there are there you are going to have times when you attempt to do this and so, and you uh, choose a date, okay, on Whatever the date is, that Tuesday, we're both going to share each other's content. Or maybe I'm going to share yours this week and you share mine two weeks from now. And you do your part and that person doesn't do theirs. I 100% agree with you. It's I, I always, and you've heard me say this before with in other situations, I look at everything as a seed. So mm. I'm putting the seed in God's ground of me walking out what I said I was going to do. I'm not seeding into that person who may not be 100% on the up and up. I'm seeding into what God has told me to do, to be someone who is a giver, who's someone who is open to sharing with others, to be someone who is not holding on to things with my hands closed, but with my hands open so God can pour back into them. And so if I share this person to my audience and, you know, their post I share gets a hundred likes or whatever it is, and, you know, they get 10 or 20 more people added on their Facebook page or whatever, the seat, my seat, and they don't do the same back for me. I still leave that feeling like I did what I was supposed to do because for me to reach out to them, I feel like that's someone that I feel God said I had synergy with. So even if they don't reciprocate, I am still furthering the kingdom because I'm still helping people get content that they need. And I just then have to trust that God will continue to show me people who will reciprocate the, that opportunity. Mm, so good. Very, very good. Okay. What's next? Well, the fourth one is another type of media, but it's more, it's the more traditional forms of media, which are radio and TV. I lump those two together and I, uh, under traditional and separate them out from, from podcasts simply because the time you actually have is so much shorter. Like a, a normal podcast is at minimum, normally 20, 30 minutes and at most up to an hour. Traditional radio and TV tends to be between three to five minutes for a TV segment to up to maybe 15 minutes or at most for most radio shows. And right. so having time to actually share content and go deep is very hard in that type of time constriction. 
However, you can build your platform with these media. You just have to be extremely intentional about using sound bites, which is simply simply meaning short, concise phrasing that's very thought provoking for people because you can't give all the details. So your goal isn't actually to instruct and to teach. Your goal is to make them hungry. It's mm. like the ultimate appetizer is, is what you're oh, trying to deliver. It. So you've got three to five minutes to give the ultimate auditory or visual appetizer on that TV segment or that radio segment so that by the time they get done hearing you and you give your go to this website to for mine is visitrestquiz.com if you want to find out what your personal rest deficit is. So now I've built up this whole thing where they're like, well, what is my rest deficit? And now I give them the solution. It's like you can't help but go and try to find it out. That's, That's right. how my quiz has had over a quarter million people who've taken it. And everyone who takes it ends up on my email list. So I do not have a quarter million email list because I purposely downgrade. <laughs> you can imagine if you're an author, you can imagine what that email list size cost. It is yes. ridiculous. So I purposely downgrade my email list to be highly engaged so that every time I send out an email, I'm getting 60, 70, 80% open rate. So I, I, I wean mine down. You don't necessarily want an email list of that size. But just to think of the potential of having an email list that you could build up to that size and even wean it down to be a very engaged group of people. Oh, and that is what we want. It's similar to having everyone and their brother be your friends on Facebook, but none of them are your audience. It's like you can have all of those people there, but then when you go and post something, you say, well, how come no one responds? It's because part of that is they're not your target audience. The other can be with the algorithms and, and stuff like that as well. So you don't put all of your social media in one basket. But so true. Just because you have a name doesn't mean that name is the one that's going to respond the best or engage the longest or deepest with the content that you have to offer. But you can find out in the dashboard Who's opened this up? Who isn't opening this up? Who is responding? And what we really love is when someone actually emails back based on the newsletter or the content that we sent out and, and they further engage. That's a very good sign that what you're sending is hitting the right people and they want more. And then you can grow it with confidence. Very, very good. All right. What is number five? Number five is online written content. So that could be every, everything from blog posts that you do, like a guest blog post you do on someone's site. That could be an article submission that you send in to a, to a formal type site. But the benefit of using this for platform growth is that it's evergreen. Some of these other things aren't, aren't necessarily evergreen, so to speak, like your speaking engagements or like radio and TV. Sometimes they don't actually translate over onto electronic platforms. But online written content, they give you almost always the opportunity to put together like a bio at the conclusion of whatever you've written. And in that bio, you, you, there are two things that should be included. It, your website 
like your personal website so that they can find you if they want to invite you to speak or buy your books or your courses or whatever it is that you have. And then a specific sentence at the end that states a free offer that you want to invite them to get to learn more or to go deeper into whatever that topic is that you just wrote about. Oh, that's good. So that would be like your rest quiz. It would be like my linked personality quiz. This is what we call lead magnets. They click on it, they go there, and it says in real big print, yes, I want to learn my rest deficit. And they click on that because they want it. Now we've captured an email and we're able to build. And these are people who are literally seeking the content that we just spoke about, that we just wrote about, and to have it be evergreen. I have a column on CBN.com, and I still know when my articles on sleep deprivation have hit the front page because I get emails from people all over because it is an evergreen topic. So absolutely, this is, and this is good. That's been one of my biggest successes with book sales is an evergreen article that um, Ted, TED.com asked me to do after my TEDx talk in Atlanta. Now, TEDx, as you know, is like the offshoot of TED.com. And so it's, it's focal to a city or state or school or something. So, you know, there were 800 people in the audience when I spoke there. TED.com, however, has a platform of of, I think it's like two or eight or something million, but it's a platform mm. of millions. Wow. wow. And so when I, so when they asked me to write this article, I wrote the article, I included a link to, as I mentioned, two links every time. And what I find is every time they reshare it on their social media or they reshare it on their newsletter, I get this huge spike of people that have hit the quiz because that's what's in my bio. And from there, my list keeps growing and growing and growing. See, growing your platform, it has to go beyond just one or two things. You know, these of these five things, you can do them all spread throughout a year. You can kind of come up with your platform building plan, have a couple of these things spread throughout the year, have one or two lead magnets that you're going to focus on, and then just go deep. Mm, this is good. Well, here's a question that I know you're approached with often. And I know for our Christian authors, this is a fear that they have. They fear looking salesy when they're talking about their books. So what do you recommend for those authors? Don't talk about your book. That's my simple statement to that. Don't talk about your book. Talk about what your book solves. Mm -hmm. Talk about, so you don't, you mention your book one time, better yet, you let the host mention your book in the beginning by name, and you don't even say the name of your book until the very end when you're sharing, after you've done your podcast interview or whatever it is that you're talking about, the very end you say, and everything I just discussed with you can be found in my book and even more, and you name the book, and then you say, the information about your free offer. Because at that point, it doesn't sound salesy. The reason it sounds salesy or people feel like they, they are trying to sell their book is because they're trying to sell their book. They're not actually focusing on how can I provide value 
and content to the people who are listening to me. Put your focus there and the book will sell itself. Mm, This is so true. I was on the air on radio for 10 years. My show was not just talking the talk. And I would have authors that would come on and I would say, now, don't worry, you're not here to sell your book. That's my job. Then I'm the one who can help to lift up and to champion the individual because as the host, as a podcast host, as the blog host, that's the variable that doesn't change. That's why people tune in because they have a connection with the host And if the host says, and I believe you mentioned this before, if the host says, oh, I really like what Dr. Sandra is saying in this, it's a valuable book, it's a valuable quiz, you need to get it, that's going to be the promotion that is needed because the one who sees value in you as the writer, as the the author, as the content provider When someone else promotes your value as being valuable to their listeners, then you've got that trust factor that's there and you don't sound salesy at all. So that's really good. Really good. Absolutely. Let the host be the salesman. It makes it so much sweeter. (laughs) It really does. It really does. What size platform should authors work to build to improve their book sales and publishing success? I was recently at a conference where this question came up and the number grows is what I'm finding every single year. Before COVID, I was hearing numbers like, oh, if you could get your email list up to 5,000, then, you know, most of the traditional publishers would jump at, you know, having you as one of their, you know, obviously, as long as you have a good book idea (laughs) and good writing. But um, what I'm hearing now is it's actually closer to 10,000 is the numbers Mm -hmm. that they're wanting. And that 10,000 could be social media, could be emails. They're wanting to see platforms of around 10,000 simply being, you know, the larger the platform, the more people you already have some kind of connection with who then could turn around and purchase your products, your books. And so I think the focus is trying to get up into the the thousands. You know, if you're first starting off, that may feel like I'm never, you know, going to get, you know, that many people. But the reality is, you know, most podcasts have at least a couple of hundred downloads. So if you're doing a few podcasts a month and you're doing a couple of speaking engagements, you know, every year and you're posting on social media and doing some posting shares, it's very possible that over the course of a few years, you can build out your platform to a 10,000. However, long before you even get there, if you can show consistent growth, many publishers are impressed with that alone. Yes. Because if you can think about it, if, you, if you're showing that well, hey, my platform's growing by 2,000 people every year, they see that you are actively doing things to build your audience. So even if you are not at the 10,000, but they see that over the past two years, you've grown by 2,000 every year, that could end up in a three book deal. Because by the time that third book's out, you're going to be well over the 10,000. Mm, so good. It takes vision. And vision requires obedience. It requires action. It requires looking at the five opportunities that we have as writers to increase our platform. 
And as Dr. Sandra said, you don't have to do them all, but if we're wanting to grow, we must do something. And these are all doable for each and every one of us. And I like that you say, don't wait until your book is out. Because really, it's almost, I'm, I guess I shouldn't say it's too late to start building when your book is out, but more people will benefit if you start going out and giving some of the content that's going to be in your book out into your audience, have them hungry for it. I like the thought. It's an appetizer. Oh, that's so good. So good. Well, you always bring us good information and good content and doable, doable, practical strategies and tips. Dr. Sandra, thank you so very, very much. It is always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Linda. Hey, you know, folks, I will tell you, if you haven't taken the rest quiz, please go to www.restquiz.com. You'll find her on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And the book that she has, it's so many raves. And I think it's because we need to embrace rest. And the book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. Oh, it just makes me want to breathe. And then I feel so much better. I highly, highly recommend this. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you, friends, for being here, for being so faithful, for, as Dr. Sandra says, you're the reason why your best writing life is growing, and we are having more family members join us here, those who are seeking to excel and to have their best writing life in the days, months, and years to come. I greatly appreciate you. I really do. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best writing life.